Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. I'm excited. God has given me a word today for our family, and it is kind of the culmination, the wrap-up of our entire sermon series called The Way of the World Changer. How many of you have been here for any of the installments of that? I know, amazing, amazing. Luckily, we have a great YouTube channel. If you haven't um, heard all of the messages, all of the other four H's of our five H's, they are online. You can catch them there. But today, I'm finishing up... Um, with our final H, which is health. Health. I'm so excited. You guys want to say the five H's with me? Have you remembered them by now? The first one is holy. Holy. We are holy people. That's right. Number two is humble. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Number three is hungry. I love it. We're hungry to do the work. We're hungry to see a move of God. We'll do anything. We'll sell it all. We'll move across the world. We just want to be where God is and do whatever he's doing. We're hungry to do the work. Number four is honorable. Okay, we honor everyone. And the fifth is healthy. And these five H's make up what we call our world-changing culture. They are the pillars of what we mean when we say we want to change the world through our lives. And so I'm really excited that I have the privilege of sharing with you on this topic. I joked in the first service um, that I could spend six hours talking about health. It is a passion point of mine. I love discovering what it looks like to become a healthy believer, someone who lives thriving in the presence of God, someone who is continually growing and becoming more of who God has made them to be. And that is who we all are. We are healthy believers. We are not just, you know, we don't just bottom feed. We're not just trying to barely make it in God. We're just not slumming through it in the presence. We're like, we stand up tall. We give ourselves fully to God knowing that he can do a lot with a life fully surrendered to him. I believe that. Do you believe that? Do you believe God can do something really cool through your life? If you don't, it's okay. I'll convince you by the end. He can. He can do something really cool in your life. Also, lucky for you, my three kids slept most of the night last night, so I'm in a great mood this morning. <laughs> Woo! I'm in that season of life where I'm, like, happy to get, like, four hours of sleep in a row. And it's not my baby that wakes me up. It's my four-year-old, you know, like toddling in the room, climbing in bed, asking for water in the middle of the night. But it truly is such a picture of the heart of the Father. Jesus is not absent in your life. He's always willing to wake up and engage with you no matter the time of day, no matter the season that you're in, no matter what you're feeling, the funk that you feel in your life, Jesus wants to meet you right there in the middle of it. You are not an inconvenience to the Father. He wants you to walk straight up to him with boldness and say, God, I need you. I need transformation in my life. And he wants to meet you there. So that is what I'm excited about. Some of you might have walked in feeling like I'm just, I'm at the end of my rope. And I have a happy video to paint a picture for you as to what today might feel like for you. I'm a little messed up. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. I'm a little messed up. I, every time I watch that video, it is so relatable. <laughs> Let all of the sounds that are in your mind out and just a shrill scream pours from my heart in the middle of worship because I'm a little messed up. But we serve a really good God, and he's here to open up the window for you if you feel like you're suffocating. He's here to help you move forward if you feel stuck. The title of my message today um, is Get Moving. Get Moving, because I feel like today 
is a day to get moving again? Where are the areas in your life that you feel a little stuck, that you feel a little like you're trudging through mud? I feel like God's here today to get you moving again because it's time for the body to get moving. It's time for us to let go of our stagnation and it's time for us to embrace the process of transformation in our life and keep moving forward in God. There is no like gray area in God. You know that passage of scripture where he says, hey, you're either hot or you're cold. I had to test you being lukewarm. That's actually true. It's actually true. And so we have to be really passionate as believers to move out of a lukewarm season and say, hey, I'm either giving it to him or I'm not. And being honest with him about it. Because the only way that you can get moving again is to be honest before the Lord. So today's message is all about health. And I don't want you to hear any condemnation. I don't want you to feel shame heaped on you. What I want you to sense is the presence of the Holy Spirit speaking to you and inviting you into movement again. Movement where you've stopped. Movement where you feel stuck. Movement where you've literally been stuck complaining. I saw a picture in worship of someone pressing a, um, like, play on a little, like, a recorder or something where you like a boom box those are wow that's search for that because it's old they press play and all it was was um complaining I just heard complaining 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 and some of you complaining is the soundtrack to your life and I feel like God's like it's time to move forward it's time to let go of complaining and a heart that is dead set on complaining God can handle your complaining, but will you let him do something about it? Will you let him? Will you let him? Will you let him? Well, let's pray this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you came. You're so faithful, Jesus. You said that you wouldn't leave us or forsake us, and in your place you sent us the Holy Spirit. And we know that we can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. We know that it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can experience transformation and health in our life. So God, I ask that you would give us grace. Give us grace to see the things that you are pointing out in our life and asking us to remove them so we can keep moving. God, I ask that you would anoint my words this morning, that you would speak through me. And every word that is from you, Lord, I ask that it would stick to the heart of every family member. And every word that's not of you, I ask that it would just fall to the ground in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. You can clap if you want. Jesus is good. I like it when we talk with each other, so if something strikes you today and it's great, be like, amen, yes, I'm here for that, okay? So why the heck does health matter? Why does it even matter? Why? So I'm so glad you asked. I'm really glad you asked that question. So for us at Legacy, holistic health is health that starts on the inside and it moves outside. It flows in your life from being rightly aligned with the Father. So I want to lay out first kind of a biblical framework um, for health. And believe it or not, the Bible has a ton to say about health. About health. I think all of us kind of immediately when we say health go to um, a space where like, okay, like, getting our bodies healthy or like um, health is kind of sometimes a cuss word because it it feels like someone's putting expectations on me that are not my own or maybe not God's expectations. But today I'm going to do my best to put forth biblical um, framework and expectations for what health looks like and help us navigate the murky waters of what it means to be holistically healthy as a person. So we're going to start with a biblical definition of health, and then I will work from a different definition that's my own a little bit later on in the message. But the biblical definition of health is a state of physical and spiritual well-being, which Scripture declares to only be possible through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's really important to start here. 
Because I'm, I'm going to let you know that it is impossible to be holistically healthy without salvation in Jesus Christ. There's no amount of self-help books. There's no great counselor. There is no boundaries that will ever get you out of needing Jesus Christ in your life to bring you through the work of transformation. And that should be a really, that should be good news to us because when we do it on our own, we do it on the basis of perfection. But when we do it through Jesus, we get tools like forgiveness and grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can do things we never thought we would be able to do because Jesus gives us grace to do it. So when we say things like, hey, go and sin no more, you can't do that in your own strength. But by the power of Jesus Christ, you can go and sin no more. So health can only be measured from the foundation of salvation in Jesus Christ. So if you have not yet met Jesus, here's the invitation. It's the only place that you get whole life and life abundant. It's in him. It's in him. And I love that because I am very passionate about this topic. And if I run off on my own, I would do it very much in my own strength. But I'm really glad that I have Jesus to help me because he's so much more gracious towards me than I ever am towards myself. So that's why he's so good. So this is what the Bible has to say about health through salvation. It's Psalm 38 and 3 says, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. Meaning sin is dysfunction, right? So when we live in our flesh away from the presence of God, there is no availability for health. Culture will tell you that you can, you know, say all the right things and do enough yoga classes and have the right self-help books and scream enough. I don't know, you know, like you can say all the right things and you can behave the right way, but it doesn't actually mean that your soul is prospering because your internal life cannot thrive without Jesus. And it says that right there in the Bible. And Matthew 9, 12 through 13 says this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick, that's me. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion. This is Jesus saying this. All of the shame you heap on yourself. This is what Jesus says. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but the sinners. And that is good news. That is the gospel. That he desires compassion. All of your funk he has compassion for. We're sick without Jesus. We're in debt to our flesh without Jesus. But when we acknowledge him as our ultimate healer, we will find wholeness. So the Bible also has a lot to say about health in the whole man, okay? So the, your mind, your body, and your spirit. First um, Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit your soul and your body be preserved and complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He cares about the whole you, not just parts of you. And if you've believed the lie that you can have a healthy spirit and a dysfunctional body and do all that God has called you to do, I want to invite you into a greater truth. He really cares about how you steward yourself, your whole self. He really does. If you think you can have the best, most, the highest EQ, emotional quotient, but have a dysfunctional spiritual life. You're selling yourself so short. He wants you to be whole and your whole man. And he has provided himself as a way to do that. First Corinthians 6, 18 says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, salvation. Therefore, glorify God in your body. In Romans 8, 6 says this, For the mind set on flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. It's a life and peace. The Bible has a clear framework for you thriving holistically. It really does. And the Bible is clear that there is thriving available to each of us. Each of us, if you walked in the door today and you feel like your spiritual life 
is trudging or it's stuck, I have great news. God cares about that and he wants to ignite a fire in your spirit again and give you a revelation of his love for you. And if in your body or in your soul you feel stuck, God has an answer for you today through the voice of the Holy Spirit. So just listen. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? So obviously the Bible has a value for holistic health, but why do we characterize it as one of our five pillars for world-changing culture? And this is the part that I, I don't want to come across like aggressive. I want to be strong, I guess. But it's because we, are, we intend to write history through our lives and impact generations. Amen? None of us want to live a life with no impact. None of us. We all want to live a life that is impactful for our families, for our generation, for the, um, how, how God is moving in the earth. We want to be a part of that. That is who we are. But we cannot do that if we are living the same dysfunctional life as the world around us. They don't believe us. They don't believe you. They don't believe me. If I say one thing here but I do another thing out there and it looks just like everything they're doing, there's no, there's no reason for them to want to follow Jesus. There's no reason. We've already established the framework for our wholeness is in our salvation through Jesus Christ, his forgiveness and his blood. When he says go and sin no more, you can sin no more. I'm not saying this is in your own works. We go out and we live a life that's perfect, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need sacrifice. He needs compassion. He needs us to live our lives from compassion for the people that he's called us to impact. And there's so many times that I've sat down um, with people who are part of this church or are a part of the greater body of believers, and they're struggling in their life with the same sin patterns. And Jesus is so desperate to bring you through a process of transformation. I said this in the first service. I'm the type of leader that if you spill a bucket of paint on my floor, I'm going to get down on my hands and knees and I'm going to help you clean it up. But I will make you clean it up. <laughs> Why? Because people need to understand that there's grace, but there's a standard. There's grace, but there's a standard. They need to know that there's something bigger than themselves to live for. I want to be, be a place where, like, there's no moral failure, and there's no divorce, and there's families walking in wholeness, and people are rightly aligned and connected. Why? Because we're, we abandon our need to be perfect, and we embrace the process of transformation in our life through Jesus Christ, okay? You guys took that really well, and I'm proud of you. But that's why it matters here at Legacy, because I want us to have an impact in our generation, and I want them to be inspired to live our lives because they're like, what the heck do they have? Their marriages are thriving. Their kids are thriving. Their finances are thriving. Wow, they're doing everything in their heart that God's placed there. I want to do what they're doing. You know, I don't want us to get stuck. I want us to keep moving forward. It's time to get moving. And Romans 12, 2, I think articulates this most beautiful. It's Beautifully, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Your life is proof of God's will to woo all of humanity back to himself. Your life is proof of that. And so I want us to live like that. I want us to live like that. So a couple of um, <clears throat> years ago, I would say maybe six or seven, I had this wild dream. I graduated in 2011, 12, from Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I love that house. I love what Bethel does for um, really the body of believers in regards to the value of the kingdom and the presence of God. I think that they have kicked open a doorway for revival across the earth, and I really respect what they've, they've built there. And I loved being in that house because I learned so much. 
It was like every day I got a teaching that changed my life. When I read the book, When Heaven Invades Earth, for the first time by Bill Johnson, I, I found my purpose in God. It changed my life. So I've noticed over the years that I have a lot of friends who graduated with me from School of Ministry, and maybe some of you are familiar with this. You were in YWAM, or you were with Iris, or you were in another School of Ministry somewhere else, and they're just not walking with the Lord anymore. They're just not walking with the Lord. And I had this dream, and in this dream was a friend that was like that. He is no longer walking with the Lord, um, to my knowledge. And, but at the time when I met him, he was a part of the worship community, loved Jesus, and he was going after God with all that he had. And in the dream, he, he had gotten so big. He was like 1,000 pounds in the dream. I can remember this. He was, it, was, it was not even human, right? Like I, I looked at him, and he couldn't even walk anymore. He had like a cane. He was sitting in a chair. And I asked him, what happened? I was like desperate. What happened? What happened? And he wouldn't tell me anything. And I looked over and I saw some friends of mine from school ministry who, were, who are still um, serving the Lord today. And in the dream, she looked at me and she said, hey, this is what happens when you consume more than you pour out. This is what happens when you get stuck. And I was like, what? And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And he said, Allison, this is what happens when there ceases to be movement in your life. This is what happens when you stop and you allow the things of life to keep you from moving forward. And when I woke up from the dream, I remember being so broken because I realized how casual I had become with the Lord. It was seven years ago. We were in the middle of planting what we didn't know was gonna be a church. We were just like worshiping, and I was too young to plant a church anyways, and still too young, but the grace of the Lord. And um, I remember walking through the doors in that season. We met in this beautiful little chapel, and Chris McClarney would lead worship. And if you guys have ever been in a worship set with Chris McClarney, it's like heaven and earth just meet in the presence. He just, he's anointed, right? <clears throat> and I would walk through the doors. I would stand in worship, and it was nothing. 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 I was just like, there, you know? And some of you probably felt like that today. You walked in this room and you see, you're like, heaven and earth are literally meeting. Like, we are experiencing a move of God and I got nothing. I just got nothing. And that's where I had gotten, gotten to at that time. I had consumed so much podcast here, teaching there. I'd been at Bethel. I, I was, you know, jaded by the experience of, okay, everything's God and, and the leaders are so big and we are so small <laughs> in our leadership ability. And I had grown stale. I really had I had grown so stale in my heart. And that is what happens when you become casual with God. And we have to refuse to become stagnant in our walks with the Lord and become casual and just like go through the motions with God. It's why we're so passionate here. We're like, don't go through the motions. We're not really interested in playing church. We really don't. I'm, not, I'm really not interested because it doesn't help you. It doesn't help me to play church. What helps me is to understand that I've stopped and I've become casual and I've consumed more than I've poured out at the feet of Jesus. And when we become stagnant in our walks and our relationships with God, um, we become unhealthy. Consuming more than you pour out will always lead to stagnation in your life. Have you ever noticed the difference between a pond and a river. When I was in elementary school, our school used to take us on this weird field trip to this pond. You, <laughs> they'd be like, "Oh, bring your bathing suits, and we're gonna get in there, and we're gonna like sift through things, and you know." Ew. They'd be like, all right, Allison. I would find every excuse not to get in the water. I was uh, probably the only black girl in my, in my class at school. And I was like, my hair is just going to get out of whack. I can't get in the water. I was brilliant. I was like, I can't get in there. You know, like when the bugs just hover over the water. Gross. 
gross. You don't want to get in there. Yeah, swampy. Okay, then there's a difference between that really pretty waterfall that's out past Manchester, Tennessee that we all go and take really pretty pictures at. Anyone been there? You've hiked the river. There's a beautiful waterfall at the end of it. I don't even like hiking. And I'll go. I'll go. I'll go for the waterfall. It's like ice cold water in the summer. It's perfect. It's beautiful. You can see all the way to the bottom. I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here for that experience. Put me in that all day long. But the pond, I was not about, right? I was not about that. Because stagnation in your life always leads to toxicity. And a pond is a body of water that only collects only collects and never pushes out. Only consumes, never pushes out. Only gathers, never shares. That's a pond. And our lives can really quickly turn into that in our walks with the Lord. But the problem is it's toxic. You can't drink from it. But a river flows and a river gives and it shares and it moves back and forth. And in it, there's life. And in it, there is the ability to receive. And I love that. And I think that's like the picture of our lives. And I, I truly believe that the best picture of health is movement. And that's kind of going to be the definition I work from today for our picture of at Legacy. What do we mean when we say health? Health is movement. Okay? And I'm going to define for you what that looks like. Um, but my question for you today is, where have you allowed the waters of your heart to become stagnant? You know what else can create stagnant water? Dams. Dams. I jokingly almost named this message the damn message. <laughs> I thought you would remember it really well. Because I want to speak to the dams in your life today. I want to speak to the things that you've built up as walls that, have, that are keeping the water from flowing, keeping the life from flowing, keeping health and thriving out of your life today. So today I'm going to define it. Health is movement. We're going to look at the story of David and Bathsheba. And I think it's a great picture of what happens when we get stagnant. And when we choose to sit, when God is asking us to move, okay? So we're going to read 2 Samuel 11.1, 1, and then I'll kind of dance around the passage as we talk. So it says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Amorites and besieged Reba, but David remained in Jerusalem. Uh, where, where is David supposed to be? War. Is war safe? Is war comfortable? Could you die? Where was David supposed to be? At war. But David remained in Jerusalem, and here's what happened when David remained in Jerusalem. He was out on his balcony one day, and he looked over the ledge, and he saw Bathsheba. And she was bathing in the moonlight, and the, her beauty overthrew him. You know, like the song, hallelujah, you know. It's, we paint it really beautifully, but really, it was a picture of David's downfall. So he's looking, he sees her, and he's just beautiful, so beautiful that he is overcome. He sleeps with her. Problem, big problem, she's married. She's married, Okay. Um, bigger problem, she gets pregnant, okay? Uh, and the problem is not the baby, but the problem is the responsibility, right? Because it's not David's responsibility to give her children, right? It's her husband's responsibility. So then David has to concoct this whole plan to murder her husband. And what he does is he sends her husband where he should have been at the front line of war, and he dies as a result. So he's like, oh, phew. Nobody saw, nobody got it. Okay, I'm going to marry her. But who saw it? The Lord saw it. And he was not happy. He was not happy. And what happened is when Bathsheba had her baby on day seven, the infant died. Hard story. 
hard passage, but it's a great picture for this point. All stagnation in your life leads to death. It leads to death. If you think that the kingdom is a place where you just can pit stop for a while, that's not true. You just can't. I wish that it was. I really do. But then again, I don't because I love that he takes us from glory to glory. But the same thing happens in reverse. Okay? So if you're not, if you're not moving forward in God, then you're moving backwards towards death. And that's how it's laid out. I, I, I wish I could say it more gingerly, but that's what's at, at stake in your life. I think sometimes we're not honest with you about what it costs you to take a break from church and take a break on your purpose and take a break from your family that loves you into, you know, oneness with Jesus or your friends. I, oh, just take a break. I'm just going to detour for a while with this girl or this guy or this. I'm not doing you any services if I don't tell you the truth. It's only leading you towards death. And all you're going to have to do is go back and reclaim territory you've already claimed. You're letting the enemy have stuff you've already claimed. You're wasting your life and your energy doing that. This is why Jesus is so passionate about you being a whole, healthy person. Not because he wants you to be perfect, but because he wants you to inhabit the territory that he's given you. And he wants you to stay in it and not lose ground to the enemy. And so I think this, this story of David and Bathsheba is so tough. To, we, we, it's hard to wrap our heads around, but it's, it's real. And we've all done it. I've done this before. I've done it. I've stayed home when I know to, I knew I should have been at war. You always see me like thinking if I should say the thing or not say the thing. <laughs> I'll just say it like this. I'll say it like this. In 2020, we all had areas where we should have been at war, but we probably stayed home. And I'm not making any statements about quarantine. Get that out of your head. I'm talking about in the spirit. I'm talking about in the spirit. Listen, we started a prayer room because we knew we needed to go to war in 2020. I'm serious. Because you cannot, we knew we couldn't stay home anymore. We had to go to war. And so for some of us, we're going to have to come to terms with the reality that in some areas of our life, we have stayed home when the Lord has called us to go to war. War is not safe. It's not comfortable. And a lot of times people are like, you shouldn't go there. You could die. You could die. What, what the heck? That's like really scary. That's a lot. But you're like, I'm standing on a word from the Lord and he's told me it's time to go. And we have to respond to those things immediately because what's at stake is not staying where you are. What's at stake is regressing into death. So we all do this. I do this too. I have, I have something I'm thinking of in my head right now that I'm like, Lord, I need to repent. Because I stayed home when I should have gone to war. So, God, I just, I need you to do something in my life to remove that roadblock that I put up. Because we all build those roadblocks in our life. We all build those dams. We all say, make the excuses that can keep us in the cozy palace and keep us away from our purpose that sometimes is stretching. I do it too. Um, but I want to give us kind of three causes for stagnation, three dams that we most routinely build in our lives. And I want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to just check and see, hey, is there anything that's true about this for me? And then I want to give you how I personally build with the Lord those banks in my life to keep health flowing and moving, okay? So the first dam that I see in my life and I see most often that is built to keep us from flowing is this, sin. Just call it what it is, sin, okay? The reason why this one breaks my heart so much is because it's, it's the one that Jesus has already paid for. I mean, he's paid for all of it, but he really did pay for this. Like, he paid for where we missed the mark, and yet we so routinely refuse to surrender 
those areas of our heart to him. This is very real for me. I, I sin just like all of you. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah, I'm a pastor. We sin. Ho, <laughs> ho. you know that? But it's usually like it's the same thing that comes up in my life. It's the same thing um, that comes up. I, I said this in first service. The Lord's really been dealing with me on my anger um, recently. <clears throat> Last Sunday, when he was sitting here praying for me, I was boohooing my eyes out because the Lord was dealing with me on my anger. And I'm like the 90th nine on the Enneagram, so I'm like very, <laughs> they say like, oh, they're like super peaceful, but like right under the surface, there's like this molten hot lava, <laughs> that me. I'm like, because I get passionate, right? So like my anger in its purest form is passion. I'm like super passionate about everyone I love living in their fullness to the point that I try to control you sometimes if I'm not careful and then I get mad when you don't do what I, <laughs> I want you to do. So that was a lot. So thank you for my vulnerable moment. <clears throat> but that's what the Lord's been dealing with me in my life on anger. It's a damn in my life. It keeps me stagnant. It keeps me from not thriving in certain areas of my life. And I want God to deal with that in me. I'm like, Jesus, I repent for the anger that I carry that's not born of you to push things through to justice and righteousness. God, I ask that you would deal with me. Deal with me. So what is that thing for you? You might have a sin um, thing that you routinely return to. That's a dam in your life. The second thing is selfishness. And I touched on this in the dream that I have, which is consumption. It's the absolute addiction to consuming. Me, 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 me. And um, we have a very narcissistic um, culture as a whole. Um, it's... I have two thoughts as to why that would be. One of them is just because um, it's the exact opposite of what our generation is called to, which is absolute washing of dirty feet. I think that's actually what our, our generation is best at. Our generation is best at serving. I actually think that's like, I actually think that's our generation's mandate is to, is to build the foundation. Some of you want to build like the top of the skyscraper. I think that's going to be our kids. I really do. And I, I'm not saying that in every, every arena there's not going to be opportunity for you to build the tippy top of the skyscraper. But I actually think our generation's gift to the world is our ability to build foundations. And I think selfishness is damming up movement across the globe because we become so self-absorbed because we believe that that's what we have to do in order to survive. But God's invitation is, hey, I'm inviting you out of selfishness. This is a dam in your life. The third thing is this, scars or trauma, okay? This is a dam in your life. Ungodly beliefs. We all have trauma. We all have it. Some different than others. Um, and... We live in a culture that's very comfortable with saying that you can build your whole life around your trauma. Wow. Wow. But Jesus says differently. He says, the trauma is there. Yeah, I see it. That's a part of your story. That's not your whole story. That's not the author of your story. That's not the whole thing. I would say, don't let someone else's mismanagement of your heart become your legacy. Don't let that happen. Don't let it happen. Because this is what we mean when we say generational curses. People, it's like very like woo-woo when we say generational curses. What I mean is your scars being passed on to your children. And so we have to do business with those dams in our life, those scars, that trauma, it might not have been your fault that it happened, but it is your responsibility to heal it. It is. And through Jesus, it's possible. So go see the counselor. Go get the inner healing. Go tell the friend that you need to tell. It's not off limits in this house to go get great help, okay? 
We love it. We have counselors. We love them. We always joke we get their names tattooed on our bodies because I'm not trying to let my scars be this church's legacy. I don't want to lead out of my scars. I don't want to lead out of my trauma. I want to lead out of my wholeness on the other side and be able to point to them and say, look what God did. That was really hard. Look what God did, okay? So those are the three things that I see so often and and building dams in our life and keeping us stagnant, keeping us staying. These are the excuses we use to stay home when God told us to go to war. We're like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm so sinful. And he's like, I don't, I don't care, like, go to war, You'll, we'll deal with it on the way, you know? Oh, I can't, I'm just so comfortable, it's all about me here in this palace. He's like, get out the freaking door, <laughs> like, go, do something, or, hey, I'm too wounded, you know, I'm too wounded, you know, and I, and I get it, but um, don't marry your woundings, you know, don't, don't do it. It's just, it's going to be hard. Artists do it a lot, I see it a lot in the city. Because it's the only place you know how to write music from. It's the only way you know how to make art. And there's an invitation for more. I see it. I see it. And I want better. I want more. I'm not saying your song is not your story, and that's beautiful. But if the only way you can be creative is by staying tied and married to your pain, you're missing out. You're missing out on so much that God wants to share with the body through you. There's more to you than your pain. There is more to you than your pain. Your pain matters, but there's more. So here's how I build banks in my life, okay? These are, if you didn't write any notes, these are it. You don't, I mean, write notes, don't write notes, let it sink into your heart, but notes help. So this is how I build banks in my life. Banks for me, cause my life to be healthy, and it causes me to stay in joy. Some of these banks are going to feel like control, and if that's the first thing that you think of when I say it, it's time to let the Holy Spirit do a work, okay? Because these are the things that bring joy in my life and keep me healthily moving forward. The first thing is this, setting boundaries. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Don't believe the lie that you can live your life willy-nilly, everyone doing whatever they want in your world, you doing whatever you want without boundaries is going to produce health in your life because everything flows from your ability to guard your heart. Everything flows from your ability to guard your heart. Boundaries look like resting. Resting is not um, self-care like face masks and hot bubble baths. Resting is um, actually unplugging from the things that cost you energy and, and scheduling time to do that. You know I have to schedule time to be away from my children to be healthy? Did you know I have to do that? Why? Because I need to unplug from everything that is pulling on me for even for an hour, right? I put that in my life so that I can be a healthy mother. I unplug from church. I don't actually work every day on this thing. Why? Because I put a boundary in my life so that I can thrive when I'm here and when I'm resting, I can thrive. Some of you need to stop going to bed at 2 a.m. and expecting you to give your best work, you know, at 6 a.m. the next morning. Some of us need to be reminded that rest is holy, it's holy. It's beautiful. But you need to set boundaries because everything in your life flows from your heart. And if you don't guard it, you'll see it in the water. Number two is this, live in obedience. This verse is kind of hard, but Romans 6.13 says this. Amen. Romans 6.13 says, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as a slave for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Either you are a slave to obedience or you're a slave to death. One, le- or one leads to, sorry, to sin. One is death yes. and the other is life. So living in obedience, you're going to be obedient to something. Either your sin or your flesh. Trust me, you're in debt to it. You're going to obey it when it calls. 
or your own obedience to the one, Christ Jesus. And you surrender your life and say, God, you open your Bible and you say, let this matter to me. I don't like what it says, but I want to live a life of joy and health and wholeness. So take me on the journey of transformation. Take me on that journey. I want to live in obedience. Obedience creates the banks to the river. The banks to the river. When there's banks, there can be flow. The third thing is this, how to build banks, is start serving. Kick that selfish thing in the butt. Kick it. That narcissistic talk all about you, 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 you. Kick it in the butt and say, I'm going to step up and I'm going to serve. And, and not just serve in an area that's easy for you. What's even better is serving in an area that costs you something. I love that passage of scripture. I don't want to give God, David, I don't want to give you something that cost me nothing. May we be a people that's like, I don't want to give God something that cost me nothing. It might be really easy for me to sing my song, but it might cost me to get behind that camera and serve faithfully on the production team because I'm so used to everyone looking at me all the time on stage, but being in a place of quietness actually would be really challenging for me, and I'm going to admit that, and I'm going to go serve somewhere that costs me something because I don't want to give God something that doesn't cost me. And those are, it creates this bank to the river. Because selfishness, it's like sin. Selfishness scars, it obliterates the banks of the river. And it just like puddles again and it becomes stagnant. And, right? But the banks, they create flow in our lives. And so often we've looked at the banks and we've thought that they are things to keep us from having fun. I love fun. One of the things that is a very big deal for us amongst our staff with this H is fun. So we're like, hey, actually health is you having fun. Like we actually think that we should laugh some, you know, like church should be fun and your dynamic with your friend should be fun and your spouse. And we think that that's actually a signal of health. So we really embrace that. But if you have to sin to have fun, it's just not fun. It's only fun for a minute. And then you're coming and knocking on my door sitting in my office saying, I don't know why my life is so stuck. I don't, I don't know. And I've done it too. I really have. I don't know why, you know, and my pastors have been like, hey, are you still doing the thing? I'm like, dang it. Yes. Right. Because if you have to sin to have fun, it's, it's fun for a moment, but it's regressing you into death, into death, into death. And I think there's just an upgrade this morning. We can stand and we're going to pray this morning because I anticipate that the Holy Spirit, he's been speaking to me about areas that I have allowed to become dams in my life. And I, I want him to get rid of them. And I would like for him to help me build some banks in my life. And if you're a part of this church, if you say Legacy is my home church and you have not found a place to serve yet, Legacy is not yet your home church. We really believe that, hey, every believer, I know you, this could be the church you go to, okay? But if this is your home church, we serve. Because this is world-changing culture. This is. This is, a, this is our fifth H. We don't call it serving. We say it's health, right? Because anything that is healthy is willing to serve and to sacrifice themselves. And so if that's like a step that you want to make today, I want to encourage you. We, we really resource our teams. We're doing a cool team night for all of our teams. And we really try to bless you guys as you serve because you're the lifeblood of our house. We could not do it without you. I, I remember a day when I was early pregnant with Isaiah and I set up and tear tore down all the chairs you know that was the, those were the days right but we're not in that time anymore because many hands make light work but revival is spelled w-o-r-k and it's going to get heavy if we're not all in it together and I think God wants to deal with some things today so that we can get flowing in the right direction so Jesus I want to ask that you would reveal to us the power of your blood this morning
the power of your love and your compassion towards us. It's not that you ask for perfection. It's that we find perfection in you, Jesus. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be faithful to reveal to me the areas of my life where I have built dams. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be faithful to reveal to this church the areas where we have built dams, where we have said, you can't come here. You can have everything else, but you can't come here. Holy Spirit, give us the grace to see you tear it down and build a bank. So today we ask Jesus that you would build banks through our lives, that we would continue to move forward, that we would get moving again, that we would get up where we've been seated, where we have needed to go to war and we know it. Lord, we ask that you, your spirit would cause us to rise again and get moving. Jesus, we want to be a world-changing church. And we know it's going to take work, and we know it's going to take transformation, but we're down for the journey. So, Jesus, we love you, and we honor you through our lives, and we ask that you would be blessed <laughs> through this church. In your name we pray, Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. Let's just give Jesus a round of applause this morning. He's so faithful. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.